Podcasts from the Cat. Voices and sounds from Crew and Nantwich. You're listening to Business Brunch, and on today's show, we're talking to a businessman who's been running a Nantwich-based garage business with his father for 25 years, literally keeping the wheels of industry turning. Today in the hot seat, we're pleased to welcome David Burrows, the owner of D&D Tyres Limited. David, welcome to Business Brunch. Hello, Des. David, you and your father have been running D&D Tyres, I should say D&D uh, Tyres and Garage, shouldn't I? For yeah, um, we do cover um, right across the spectrum, servicing, demotees, tyres, exhaust brakes, etc. So, yeah. Yeah. So, t- D&D Tyres and Garage Services for... For 25 years, negotiating recessions and considerable change in the industry. But before we discuss uh, your business, tell us about life before D&D Tyres and why you chose to join the family business. It was a long time ago now, Des. Um, I grew up in Bunbury, born in Bunbury and grew up in Bunbury. I went to school at Tarpley. And during those years, I would work on farms in the summer and the school holidays. I spent a couple of years where I used to work on a Saturday on Ermston or Eccles Market on the outdoor markets. So that gave me a bit of a grounding because we used to start at five in the morning and we wouldn't be home till seven in the evening. All for a fiver in those days, which was a lot of money then. I then, as I think in those days, most young boys did, we were looking for apprenticeships. And that was what we were expected to do, electrician, plumbing, mechanics, etc., etc. And I decided I wanted to be a mechanic. I got a job with um, Bowie Distribution, Northwestern Farmers, as it was then, as an apprentice mechanic. And I then started work on my 16th birthday, and I spent five years there. After, after five years, I realized it wasn't really for me. I'm a big believer in everybody's individual, and you know we've got to respect that. So I became into a little bit of a stumbling stage where I didn't know what I wanted to do. At that time, my father had a company in Chester called D&D Tire Repair Supplies Limited, which specialised in repairing tyres for British Steel in those days. Your ATS's National Tyres for those that are aware of the big brands, the big chains. So I naturally went to him and said, you know, can I try working with you? To be fair, um, I did find it hard initially. It was a different environment than I was used to working with. Um, working with your father sounds easy, but as you all know, living with your father and then working with him can have his problems. I think, I actually remember, I think he sacked me twice. Um, he didn't sack you. <laughs> he sacked me twice. Um, and there were lessons learned. So I still, I couldn't settle there, so I've got to be honest with you. I travelled a bit in America, I went around the States, I travelled down from Vancouver to um, LA and out to Vegas and just drove and drove. And I was a bit, I was in the wilderness really, um, you know, everybody wanted me to do something but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then lo and behold, I started selling tyres with my dad uh, and suddenly I realised that's what I should be doing. I found it rewarding to be able to do it for myself and, and sell something and I've sold that and that's what, how I started. Uh, and then we decided that we would expand into agricultural tyres, you know, which is where the D&D Tyres Limited came from, rather than the D&D Tyre Repair Supplies. And that's where the D&Ds were, Dennis and Dave. So we then started in Chester on Liverpool Road. Um, we expanded and expanded. 
and then we outgrew the place. Now, I was living in Alperham uh, at the time, so there was a, a unit came vacant at Carvelin Mill, which used to be the cheese factory for those that know Hollands and uh, FJ Need, etc. So I rented one of those and was there for, I think, about 12 or 14 years building the agricultural business. So it's interesting that you you, f- you fell into sales. Uh, mo- fell into it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Most, um, most people are frightened to death of sales. So that's a real asset for you, isn't it? Moving into, moving into business and links us to our ne- next question very neatly, which is a- an age-old proverb: "Is a new broom sweeps clean." So, share with us the skills that you brought to D and D tires and garage services back in 1984, and and some of the decisions you've made, some of the strategic decisions that have helped shape the business. I don't know if you asked my father when I actually brought that much initially. I've just probably bought him a headache and, you know, is this going to do it, <laughs> et cetera. But I think my the one thing that I'm never afraid of is to move forward. And I've always been firmly believed, because I didn't come from a business background, I had no uh, platform to work from or no previous conceived ideas, this is how you do something. So my philosophy was the busier I got, the bigger I was getting, the more staff I needed, the more vehicles I needed, rather than stand still and say, I've got more work than I can handle, but I don't take anybody on. So if I didn't stumble my way into, into sales, the one thing which I brought to the company was, we must keep moving forward. Hence Chester to Carvely, and then Carvely to Nantwich. So I think my biggest strength was I was never afraid to move forward. So bringing in strategic things, we can't plan for the future. If we could all do that, we'd all win the lottery every week. So you can only only react, I think, a lot of the time. Yes, you can plan for the perfect world, but as we saw with the current environment and situation we've had for 12 months, uh, all plans go out the window. So you've got to be reactive and react to what you do and react well and quickly to it and not to be afraid to react. So you've clearly got uh, selling skills and you've got innate management skills. How how did you find dealing with people for the first time and managing people? I found managing staff very easy. I found that, that retail and dealing with the public is a bit of a skill, which I'll be perfectly honest, I've, I've, I've mastered it now, but I didn't master it in the early days. And so I would employ staff to do that, that communication, that initial contact, as I still do now with customers. Um, so, yes, you know, when we're working with big big fleets and big environments, that's and that's what I call you know the, the sales side for me. Yes, I, I interact and I can work with them comfortably, no matter how big, whether it's Royal Mail, whether it's Bentley, whether it's Boy Distribution, wherever our customers are. So that I'm happy in that environment. So yes, um, my my skills are limited. But I'm a big believer it's horses for courses and, and I can fill those slots where I need people to do certain skills and that's what I do. Today we're talking to David Burrows, the owner of D&D Tyres and Garage Services in Nantwich. David, in, in a business that's been trading for 38 years, you manage a very productive workforce, uh, now 20 strong and fitting over a thousand tyres a month. So tell us how you maintain a cohesive team uh, and share with us how you keep them trained and motivated. This is where people's skills vary with run, com- uh, run companies. For me, I have to accept the fact that you can't do everything. I think that's the key. If you're going to grow and become have a lot of staff, 
you can't do every job, so you can't be on everyone's shoulder because you can't expect them all to do it as you would do it. So you've got to trust your staff. You've got to be happy in how they how they do it and let them do it. So I think if you were if I was to to put that together, that means I need a happy workplace. And what is a happy workplace? It's somewhere I I feel that hopefully the staff get up in the morning and say, I'm going into work. No, oh God, I've got to go into work again. So you've got to create that environment. So. I think how I judge that, whether that's that's working, is by the long service from the staff. So you'll find that a lot of my staff have been with me 20, week, 20 years. Kevin, the people from Nantwich that deal with D&D, will know Kevin's been on reception now for a long, long time. He's a major part of the business. So he he's a long-serving staff. He's been with 25 years. I've got other members of staff that have been 20, 15, 30. And the 30, for your numbers, you throw your numbers up. The guy moved with me from from Carbley and Chester years ago. Um, so, yeah, for me, that that's that's a happy workplace. And, you know, what makes a happy workplace? It might be the fact that we we all have bacon sandwiches on a Saturday morning. Um, it might be the fact that we the guys, we treat them to a pizza on, I don't know, once a month on a Friday. So just that, you know, it's not us and them. It's, we're, all, we're all members of D&D. And as I said before, we're all holding a piece in a big jigsaw and we need to put those pieces in to complete the jigsaw. And in respect of what you just said, that, that explains why the place is happy and why you've got a, a team, a cohesive workforce. How do you keep them trained and motivated? Because that, that's, a, that's a, the essence of the business, isn't it? I think the human being performs better when it's happy, doesn't it? And, you know, you and I, or anybody listening, we need to be happy. So those things I talked about, creating that environment, um, you know, traditionally in a workforce, for instance, they clock on, uh, they work till, say, 10 o'clock, they have a quarter-hour break, they work till 1 o'clock, and then they have an hour break, and then they work till 3. I don't practice, I, I, of course I put the breaks in, but my staff are allowed to, to make as many cups of tea and coffee as which we supply all day long. doesn't sound a lot, but when they just feel a little bit, mm, you know, I need a minute, I can't work out what's going on with this car, or this is not quite right, they make themselves a cup of tea, come back, and they're refreshed. Uh, so little things like that, you know, when they've got the problems, you know, that we all have problems respecting that and being there for them. I don't, I don't mean counselling, but I mean, you know, hey, the car's breaking down all the time, we'll bring it in at lunchtime, we'll put it right for them, you know, things like that. So just making them part of the business, not just an employee of the business. I think that's one of the keys. And do you take on uh, apprentices as well? Yeah, a, a lot of my staff have come through as apprentices and it's always been, it's always been that way, but now... I'm afraid, Des, we're living in an era where a lot of people don't want to get their hands dirty or, or don't want to come down this this route of, of um, manual work. Uh, yes, we need it more than ever. You know, we're seeing less and less applications. I had an instance um, during the lockdown where I had an apprentice which had been with me for three years. We had him furloughed for four months, and he was a lovely lad, and he was very good at what he did and was trying to make an excellent mechanic. And at the end of, when he came back in the August from furlough, he came to me and said, look, Dave, uh, I've thought long and hard in the last four months, and this isn't for me. And I have to respect that, Des. And as I said to you before, I stumbled through life. He tried it, and it didn't work for him, even though he was very good at it. And you've got to respect that. So, yes, we do have apprentices, but, you know, they don't always work out. No, that's understandable. So, 40 to 50 vehicles now pass through the workshop every day, including Royal Mail, Bowie Distribution, 
And you even have a contract to MOT Vehicles for the luxury car manufacturer Bentley. So tell us what makes D&D Tires and Garage Services so different from its competitors that you're able to attract such prestigious customers. I think it's all the things we've talked about, the packages. It's all about companies being able to deal with us easily, knowing we're going to, if we, for instance, we're, we're, we're going to collect a car from or distribution or raw mail because we have recovery vehicles that we do that. When we say we do it, we collect them, we repair them, we return it. Our paperwork is as they want it. You know, they have certain set systems where we'll put a quote in and then finalise the invoice and order numbers issues. It's working with them as they want it and del- but you're constantly delivering that level of service. I mean, I'm very proud of the fact that we deal with Bentley and they are an excellent company to deal with. But again, you know, they, they, they want efficiency. They want to know when their vehicle comes in for MLT at 10 o'clock, it's done at 10 o'clock and it leaves at 11 o'clock. Or we also do internal vehicles for them so we know it's not just MLT and we'll, we'll do timing change, brakes, uh, etc., etc., on different internal vehicles which they've got. And any fleets like Royal Mail, for instance, Royal Mail will have 800 to 1,000 vehicles at Chester alone. So, you know, it's just Chester. And we'll collect vehicles from there or from Oswestry, um, repair them, return them back. And uh, Nantwich, the Royal Mail vehicles at Nantwich, we look after their tyre side. So when those drivers come to get those vehicles, if there's a tyre worn on it or there's a puncture on it, they bring them straight to us. We have spares which we carry for them and we'll fit them to those vehicles and we keep the raw mail going. So you're clearly going to the nth degree to ensure that you don't just meet customer needs, you're actually exceeding them. Yes, and I think I think that's what they appreciate. Um, you know, that that everybody likes to think they, they go that extra little bit, but that extra little bit for us is just doing what we naturally do. You know, we, we've over the years we've learned all these things and, you know, when we say we're going to do something, you know, it's, it has to be done, and it, and it is done. And people appreciate that service. You know, all in all, when all said and done, we all want to run, you know, everything to run smoothly, whether it's your work or your home or whatever. So that's what we try and ensure that, you know, we can, we can make it a good experience and help the customer, you know, to, in every way we can. You're listening to a podcast from The Cat. You're listening to Business Brunch, and today's guest is David Burroughs from D&D Tyres and Garage Services in Nantwich. Uh, David, you, you're not only responsible for the safety of your employees in a, in a busy workshop, but also for the safety of your customers when fitting tyres. So tell us what you have to do to ensure that you meet the rigours of current health and safety le- legislation. So yes, Des, moving on to with the health and safety, um, obviously the book stops with me with regards to that. People talk about and say, well, you know, common sense has to prevail, but I'm afraid it isn't quite that simple. So yes, regards to the workshops, we have to ensure that all the staff are well aware of, of health and safety issues and particularly around them, you know, the, the environment they're working in, what those issues are going to be, whether it's ensuring that the takes are across the garage so nobody can drive in to the garage and sandwich, which, you know, it's dangerous, to hazards on the floor, whether it's oils, water, people can slip, etc., making sure they're cleaned up, or they're marked or highlighted, or we use grits for oil. Ensuring when they're on grinders, that they've got goggles, they're all allocated goggles, two types, one like a sunglassing type, you know, like which ones, traditional ones to pull over your head, gloves, um, which they use all day long, the small ones, but they have thick ones and then they have ones for certain temperature heats if they're warming things up so they don't burn their hands. Obviously, we have to supply clothing, 
we supply boots, we pay for all of this to ensure that, you know, that they're safe in the clothing. And then we, we're also responsible for things like where stuff's put away. You can't just leave stuff anywhere where they can stumble over it or fall over it. So all these are hazards. So we'll have areas where, for argument's sake, um, jacks are put away or where um, gas bottles go or metal in there, gas welders go or things like that. So they know where everything goes. It, yes, you'd like to think that common sense prevails, but you have to be responsible for all that. So it is my job, and my two sons are also with me, that we do go around constantly every week and checking that the goggles are there, that these things are being put in place, that there are grits on the floor, and that the guys are aware of any hazards, you know. And for us also, that we, we include that in the machinery where we have to have maintenance agreements on it. So the moment of an technician will say, my ramp did this, and it's, you know, it's my job then to ensure that we bring an engineer out, and the engineer next and says, yes, it's okay, and in the meantime, he'll be off that ramp, and I'm working on the ramp. It's an awful lot to, to be considering, but obviously once you're doing it on a daily basis, it becomes part of uh, part of your daily structure. But um, do, do you have to remind them with training on a regular basis? Yes, you know... Um, the creatures have it and it's very easy easy for, for us to fall into you know not on mass but as individuals to fall into the doing the same thing you know well oh, well I didn't think that I know we'll we'll get them together and say hey guys you mustn't forget that you know this needs to be done this needs to be done we need to ensure we do this and so it's just constantly reinforcing and reminding um, it's not an issue for us traditionally but uh, yes we have to constantly on the training remind uh, and obviously, if there's anything new and you know, that they're not aware of, to make sure they're aware of it, whether it's a fire point, whether it's a new um, product we're using, just you know what the, the handling issues are with it, and making sure that, from a health and safety point of view, that they're aware of what they're dealing with. Yeah, understandably, and uh, because obviously people's uh, well-being are. Uh, risk otherwise. So, David, the current circumstances have completely changed how some companies do business. So, share with us how you've coped with coronavirus and, and detail some of the changes you've made in order to continue trading. COVID was was something obviously we'd never experienced before, uh, so it was a bit of as a, having to react quickly and learn as we went on our way. Um, so, for instance, we were very quick to put a, a perspex screen which covers all the whole entire reception to keep the customers safe and to keep our guys safe. Um, in the reception where traditionally we'd have 10 chairs, which most of the time would be occupied with at least 5 to 10 people, that's been reduced to 4 and is still at 4. Um, also, hand sanitizers are on the walls in the reception and also um, on the reception desk itself. But regards to then the other side of it, we've got to protect the workers so that the guys are also, they've got masks, they've got gloves which they use all the time, the cars, customers' cars are sanitised when we bring them in and they're, and they're sanitised when we take them back out. We try and reduce the, the, the amount of, of people, traffic that goes near that car, so i.e. rather than the mechanic bring it in, we will have one of, uh, we have two guys on the floor which, which brings our cars and loads our ramps and manoeuvres them around and parks them in the yard. So they will wipe the car down, bring the car in, the car will be serviced, cleaned again. It will go on test drive. Obviously, the mechanic has to test drive it because he's responsible for it. And when it comes back, we'll clean it again and the car will be parked. Also, with regards to, we have to abide by um, the social distancing for, for the staff. We try and separate them for the lunches and stack their lunch times so they're not, this is even now, 
who are not big groups or anything like that, and constantly, you know, reminding them that you know the sanitizers are all around the all around the whether it's on their workbenches in the toilets in the canteen or whatever, you know, to constantly use it and sanitize their hands, etc. So, yeah, we're very very aware of it, um, and I'm probably tempting fate now, there. So, uh, <laughs> we've been very lucky. We've had no cases. Today we're talking to David Burrows, the uh, owner of D&D Tyres and Garage Services in Nantwich. David, you're a a keen golfer and you've raised over £20,000 or more for Hope House Hospice. So share with us how you've raised so much money and and how you've continued to help our treasured NHS staff. This this one, Des, is that I've never really, I know it's, I've never really talked about this. Um, those people obviously know me, know that you know my involvement with charity, but it's never really been. I've never really spoke about it in, in, as I am now. So just bear with me with this one. It started um, my, my father, who was a church warden and was invited to go to a hospice for terminally ill children. Uh, it's, a, it's quite a while ago now, and when he came back, I'd never seen him so upset. And I'd never seen him so moved. And it wasn't a case of, I've got to do something now, but as the years went by, I decided I needed to raise money for charities, etc. I needed to do something. I felt I needed to do something. And the obvious choice was, was the hospices. So I used to run sportsman's dinners, which we used to hold on an annual basis um, at Tarpley Golf Club at the Championship course, where we'd have a comedian, we'd have a speaker, um, and then I would get companies to donate um, prizes for the evening. So, for instance, uh, put together, say, Bentley would would uh, allow us to have a car for a weekend. Chester Races would give us tickets for the race course, and then I'd combine that with a dinner at a hotel or something. And so, somebody could go for the day at Chester Races in a Bentley and have dinner on the way home. Um, things like Bridgestone would donate private testing days at Silverstone, which you can't buy, so money couldn't buy them, but they could on this evening. And things like that. And, you know, as the years went by, people would take great pleasure in saying, Dave, what do you want this? You want that? So we used to raise a lot of money for doing that year on, year out. Uh, I was also, which I don't think you'll be aware of, but I was a, a cricket coach for 14 years for Cheshire Youth Cricket, and which I thoroughly enjoyed. And one of our guys was, was not well, and myself, along with um, three other coaches and coaches that carried, we played golf. Um, and we decided we were going to raise money for charity, for, for, for Christie's in this case. So we played golf in four different countries in 24 hours. So we flew over to Dublin, started at 6 in the morning, flew to Scotland, played Scotland, down to North Wales, and then finished at Carden Park with a, a dinner supported by Christie's, etc., and, and doctors and medical staff from there. And I think we raised about 26000 on that event alone. So charity's always been close to my heart. Um, so when this, this pandemic started, we were all at a loss. Um, without a shadow of a doubt and a lot of us still are but Dindy had to close it wasn't we had no work like everybody else everyone was in, was locked down so we couldn't go out um, but I decided in my wisdom I would keep my mobile phone on and have the calls from D&D transferred to my, my phone just in case and what emerged was that we found I was taking something between 25 and 40 calls in the first hour of the day that we'd forgotten you know our NHS Staff. So our nurses, our district nurses, our midwives, and everybody were still running in the, in the community. So we got phone calls from from Tarpley Cottage Hospital. They needed uh, seat covers for the vehicles, 
uh, and Nantwich needed seat covers, so we donated our plastic disposable seat covers I'm talking about here to Tarpley, and Nantwich rang, we sent them, so, and then Leighton, they needed some, and it turned out 3,000 seat covers later, that, you know, we'd help the community, but what what actually moving it on from there was that I was getting these phone calls and staff were saying, I can't go to work because I've got a puncture or this, or my jaw's falling off, but so I got, with, as you all know, um, with the furlough, you're not allowed to make money. So I got a couple of my guys to volunteer. And we, we'd open on a Tuesday morning, Thursday morning, Saturday morning. And we would help and assist the NHS workers and frontline workers uh, and to, to keep them mobile during this pandemic. It's an absolutely fantastic story, David. Uh, and, um, and I'm pleased that we're airing it uh, because it needs celebrating. And I think people like yourself have done a fantastic job because without you, a, a lot of the NHS staff couldn't have continued to function. So, so well done you. Thank you. Even after 25 years at the helm of D&D Tyres and Garage Services, David, you, you still have to remain competitive and stay ahead of the market. So share with us what you have planned for the future. Well, in order, in order to, to to do what we, what you've just said, some of the things are constant and never move. So our service level has to be high. We have to be buying at the best price we can, and selling it out to, to be competitive with our customers. Uh, tying those two together, both the service side of it and the price side of it, you know, they do go alongside each other. Uh, as regards to the future. Um, well, you know, I listened this morning that uh, Volvo are going totally electric by 2.30, but my issues are, for the future of the companies, A, obviously we're going to need electric training you know, for electrical vehicles, but I'm not quite sure at this moment in time how the industry is going to cope, um, because I don't think it's it's really geared up at this moment in time to deliver what, what, the, what the government and, and what the world really needs. And I think the bigger problems we're going to be, Des, is, Yes, we expect batteries, etc., to, to improve over the years, but the cost to insure these vehicles, especially when they've been in a bump, the majority of them have been written off. Uh, so there's a large expense in insuring them. Where is the revenue that was now comes from diesel and petrol, which is billions and billions and billions, which goes into our health system, which goes into our social system? Uh, we know where is that money going to be generated from? Does it mean that, yes, we're going to go green, but we're not going to make a saving? You know, how are we going to afford these vehicles? got to charge them, they've got to run them, um, so I'm, I'm quite intrigued, I'll, I'll be retired by then Des, and hopefully my guys and my boys will be running the business, but I'll be intrigued to see how this, this pans out in 10, 12 years time whether we just hire cars or how it's going to work because there are still going to be just because they're not producing uh, the combustion engine doesn't mean there's not going to be pressure on diesel vehicles about, so there's going to be a lot of cars around, so I'm I'm looking from here. Yes, our, our training will be the important thing, obviously, as, as time moves on, building and preparing for the future. But I'm, I'm very, very interested to see how it pans out. I was talking to somebody in the um, in in the car industry only recently, and and they suggested that, or they said that, uh, you know, the uh, the German yeah. car manufacturers are are investing heavily in battery technology. But the Japanese are investing equally as heavily into the hydrogen cell. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? 
Well, um, Mercedes have tended to, to think more down that line. So again, you know, you and I are talking about something which you know we're hearing on the on the TV and radio. It's going to happen by then, and you get the industry split over it. Yeah, uh, as the practicalities of it. Uh, I, I can give you an, an example. I, I was I was in Mercedes uh, picking some parts. A friend of mine runs a big workshop at Shrewsbury, and he was telling me when they when he first went on a course, which was only a couple of years ago. The, for a front-end knock on a, on a Mercedes where it would activate the airbag, then the pilot system shut the batteries down, was coming out at an average of £12,000 repair. Death. Goodness me. So what's that going to do to your insurance? Yeah. So, you know, your days of three or 400 quid to insure your car. This isn't going to work on these electric cars, as, as we're looking at this moment in time. But we obviously, we don't know what's down the line and what the future's going to be, but... I'm struggling to see it at the moment how it's going to work. It's an interesting one, uh, and I'm sure, as as you've quite rightly said, you're you're going to be retired, so it'll be our next generation who will be coping with those problems. Uh, David, it's been a real pleasure talking to you today, and and thank you very much for sharing with us some of the some of the key areas of uh, how you operate the business and how you've kept it successful. Before you go, could you? Tell our listeners where they can find more information about D&D Tyres and Garage Services. Yes, thank you, Des. Obviously, if you go on the social platforms, our Facebook page, or we've got the dndtires.co.uk, which is our website. Uh, and, our, and traditionally, which, you know, I'm still one of those people that uses a phone. It's 9201270610610. And can I take this opportunity, Des, just to... When we talked before about a happy workplace, a happy workplace isn't just about the workforce. It's the fact that we have great customers that come in, and a lot of them are family and it's generations we're dealing with. And, you know, it, it's part of our everyday to, to enjoy our job, and the customers at D&D make that really, you know, really prove that point to us and make our days worthwhile. So thank you, everybody, that's, uh, that comes into D&D. And thank you, Des. Um, despite I was very nervous about this I thoroughly enjoyed it, thank you David, it's been a real pleasure thanks for coming on The Cat today Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen